0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. We're making our way through summer. Turkey season has finally ended. Get through the next couple of months. Better days will be here before we know it. We are proudly brought to you by the one and only Ducks Unlimited.
1: For 85 years, Ducks Limited has worked towards one goal, skies full of waterfowl, today, tomorrow, and forever. It's a daunting challenge and one our supporters take very seriously because to them, nothing is more important than full skies and all starts in our local events. To find an event near you or join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org. DU is a proud sponsor of the Big Honker Podcast and Duck Hunters Everywhere.
0: Since 1937, they've conserved 15 million acres of land.
1: You imagine the drought the last couple of years. If we wouldn't have had a DU, what would it be like?
0: They're fighting for the duck numbers. Yep. Fighting for the duck hunters and the duck numbers. Hun- so,
1: Duck hunters are the best conservationists in the world. No doubt about it. 100%. So
0: if there's a DU event going on near you, you might go check it out. Spend a little bit of money with them because uh, they do good work. We're also brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Don't know how many dates are left, but give Jeff a holler. 940-658-3172. If, you're, if you want to dove hunt, could, yep. you, could, you, could you still come dove hunt I've got some dove hunting,
1: a little bit of dove hunting days left. We're I've almost got some, to June. I do have some goose. I've got a couple days left in November. Everybody wants to come shoot that trophy spec early in the year. i got some November dates. Holler at me at 940-658-3172 or www.stanfieldhunting.com. Also brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, home of the Stanfield
0: Stool. Listen, it's 2020. You should not be sitting on a bucket anymore. 20, what, what year is this? It's 2020, 2022. 2022. <laughs> you should not be sitting on a bucket anymore. I'm stuck in the past, Jeff. Uh, the Stanfield stool, it's sturdy. It's reliable. It's got a backrest. It's beautiful. You don't need to be sitting on a bucket anymore. It's bad for your hemorrhoids. It's bad for your back. Get you the Stanfield stool. Or if you've got another iteration of the Stanfield stool, tell them what you want built. And the guys over at Alpha Outdoors, they can get it done. Send them up the uh, dimensions, and they can do it. Great people over there. We had him on a couple, two months ago or something like that, so take a listen to that podcast, but it's a lot of fun, um, and I am looking forward to sitting on the Stanfield stool. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The boys up there in Spocompton uh, make a hell of a lesser call. The 206 is my favorite call, and in my opinion, my humble opinion, the PCD is the best duck call that's on the market. I mean, you cannot go wrong with the PCD. It's a single read barks at them. I love it. It's all that I use whenever I duck hunt. And uh, the 206, man, it's a lesser call. Rips on them. Um, it's a little bit shorter. So if you're an intermediate goose caller, the 509 is what you need to look for. And I mean, they're going all in on the turkey lineup. So check them out for great deals. And go. they got a Facebook page where they release hot buys. So it's uh, Pacific Calls or something like that. It's a private page. Join it and uh, get access to one-of-a-kind calls. Or check them out, pacificcustomcalls.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth is the way to go. Compares so closely to lead. Listen, dove season's going to be ramping up here before we know it. 15 million dove each year die from lead poisoning. We don't need legislation on this. We don't need Congress to tell us what we need to do. If we want to enhance the dove numbers, start shooting boss at them. It compares to lead. It's a little bit more pricey, but that's just the way it goes. Listen, put your money where your mouth is. 15 million dove a year die from lead poisoning. That's unacceptable. Switch to bismuth. Uh, you'll never go back. I use it. Uh, I use the 3.5 blend whenever I'm out waterfowl hunting, and that is my go to load. It's a premium load, it's a hot and heavy load. Uh, BossShotShells.com Bismuth Can't say enough about it So you need to go check them out We're also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors Mr. Alex Langbell has taken his, uh, his career as a first responder And he's put all that knowledge into making the field trauma kit It's got everything that you need If you've got a hole it can, it can uh, stop bleeding It can keep you warm Everything in there it's designed perfect For whatever you might run into out there in the duck or goose blind every vehicle needs to have one every blind bag needs to have one be prepared for the unexpected he also has the patented quick release system listen you you snap fido in pull a little cord and away he goes whenever you're ready for him but in my opinion there's no reason that you should not have your dog uh harnessed in no matter how highly qualified you think he is all it takes is one accident and we're looking at a different morning Uh, he's got check cords made himself. He's got stainless steel dog bowls. They don't, bacteria does not grow on it. So you don't have to worry as much uh, about nasty dog food and water bowls. So check them out. Gun dog outdoors and take care of your four legged hunting buddy. We're also brought to you by Die Bomb Industry. Squad Fest will be here before we know it. July 15th and 16th. We hope to see everybody out there. We'll be up there in St. Louis. Uh, you think it'll be a little bit cooler this year, Jeff? No. The beer's cold. The beer's good. It was it was a very, very good time. Second year ought to be even better. Uh, the calling contests were great to, to watch. So <clears throat> come on out. Check them out. July 15th and 16th in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. It'll be a great time. Come shake our hand. We look forward to seeing everybody. And if you're in the market for the best silhouettes on the market, check out Dive Bomb Industries. Be sure to get the bags. It's the best part of Dive Bomb is that they all pack up nice and neat, and I can keep my freaking trailer organized. Divebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck, maker of the best A-frame that's on the market. 2x4 blind, fit four grown men. It's durable, it's sturdy, it's reliable, it holds stubble well, uh, and their spinners are the best. They're waterproof, they accidentally take a spill in a lake. No big deal, shake it off, dry the, dry the battery off, and a way you can go again. Check them out at luckyduck.com. No matter what you're looking for, they got something for you. They got goose flappers that work excellent. Uh, We used them last year towards the end of the year, trick those weary speckle bellies into submission. So uh, if you're looking for a spinner, a flapper, A-frame, coyote hunter, they got it all for you. Luckyduck.com is the way to go. We're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it is not the duck. The Missouri Boat Ride Blend is the best it's all I can drink now. I have been getting to where uh, Missouri Boat Ride topped with a little bit of high velocity. Really just gets the engine running there, Jeff. So you're shooting whiskey in the morning? High velocity is their blend. High velocity blend. Okay. We'll do a, do a little blending action. I'm, I'm like Starbucks, Jeff. Don't worry about what I've got going on. They're going to be at Squad Fest, so um, be sure, say hello to them. Actually, I think most of our sponsors are going to be there, but anyway, Uh, Dirty Duck Coffee shipped straight to your door. You can sign up for their membership, and you don't even have to order. You just sign up for that, tell them how often you want it delivered, and it'll just show up there. But you should get the Missouri boat ride. We're also brought to you by the best waiters that are on the market, shin gear waiters, nylon made. The boot is comfortable, uh, and they've got the best guarantee in the waterfowl world. They will stand behind their product for as long as you stand in them. Customer service is something that is lost in this day and age, but not over there at shin gear. Uh, So let's say you're walking, you stick a hole through your boot, send it to them, they'll get it turned around in a reasonable manner, and they'll get them right back out to you. The guys over there are great. I mean, they they got a hell of a product. It's tough, it's durable, it's breathable, and it works. That's the best part, is it actually works. You can buy one pair of waders and get through the hunting season. It's not like other companies where you got to buy several sets just to have one not at shin gear so check them out Shingear.com. we're also brought to you by the boys up there Langdon Missouri Looking Glass Duck Club podcast Logan and Rebel he's up there selling that fertilizer Jeff
1: spreading that cow shit
0: spreading that cow shit they're hilarious to listen to and they're great guys just also. good
1: people good do a lot of good things for a lot of people have a great podcast funny don't listen to it
0: with your kids <clears> in the car And it's growing. Go to their Patreon account, donate to their Patreon, and uh, you can have access to their entire library. They like the conspiracies, which so do I. So it's a lot of fun to listen to. Check them out. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Last but not least, we are brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. Mr. Brandon Bing has fought the supply chain crisis. Can't get bottles now, but the man has found them, and he's now shipping Bangtail Whiskey. It is a beautiful... Beautiful whiskey that I highly recommend everybody should have on their liquor cabinet. Bangtail Whiskey is a traditional corn mash whiskey aged in charred new American oat barrels. You'll find a pleasant aroma of vanilla and spices before galloping into notes of nougat sweet corn and a lingering caramel finish. Built on a dream aged 25 years, it is a handcrafted whiskey to create the perfect sip no matter how you drink your whiskey. I prefer uh, whiskey sours. You do you, boo. Pour it over ice, just in a glass. However you want to do it, but bangtail should definitely be in your liquor cabinet. That's it.
1: Come out to Squad Fest in the middle of July and see me and Andy
0: and all of our most of our sponsors. Yeah, most of our sponsors will be out there,
1: and Andy will be there. Thank you very much, and God bless you. But mainly, Andy will be there.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois from uh, the great state of Texas. He's a, he's a transplant now. Originally from Louisiana, great great Cajun cook, and uh, he is the host of uh, the hit series Duck Camp Dinners. Uh, Meat Eater has it. It'll be on the Meat Eater platform uh, late mid-August, so be looking forward to that at the end of summer. Great guy, great guest. Uh, enjoy talking to him. The man's been around the world. Uh, truly a gem to talk to, and we really enjoy our time with him. We hope that you do too. Go check out Duck Camp Dinner. It's on The first season is up on YouTube. You can go check it out. And uh, be looking forward to season two. So here he is, Chef Jean Paul Bourgeois. There. And Are the airs on in here? I don't know it's but it's hot. fucking hot.
1: Man, I'm going to go check these <laughs> Oh, I'm.
0: Here we go. Three,
1: two, one. Boom! And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Die Bomb Industries and in the bowels of hell in Knox City, Texas, where it's about 137 in the shade. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver.
0: It's hot in here. It is
1: is real warm. It's the hottest day I've seen in here. We are building a new studio and it will not be done until probably...
0: 2027.
1: I'm saying the end of July. Oh. And it will be nice to be in a smaller room with a with with a new air conditioner system in it, because we are in the dining hall at the lodge and it is hotter than two mice screwing in a wool sock. It is miserable. It is. With us today, what the what's
0: the temp th- one, out y'all way? One uh, it, is it hundred right now? It was a hundred and eleven
1: no. degrees two days ago here.
0: It's only it's eighty seven right now. It's supposed to be a hundred for the high and then. Next week is the Boogaboo. Sunday through next Saturday, 106 is one o six, one o five, one o one, one o seven, one o eight. 105, 101, 107, 108.
1: So, summertime. Fuckers in Saudi Arabia are going to come over here to cool off. Oh, That's yeah. what's going to happen. It's it's yeah. miserable. Our guest today, the transplanted Kunas, who now is a Texan. i happy to have you. Yes. Chef Jean-Paul. Yeah.
2: Hey, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sa- Texas, welcome. Me as well, and has, as for the last six
1: months. I'm scrolling through Instagram this morning. Scrolling through, and it, there, and I've got all these food prep deals. I don't cook. I don't even know how to cook, but I love to watch cooking shows. I love the cooking channel. You can't even boil water. And the food prep, there's a food prep deal on Instagram I watch all the time, and, I, and it's just cool as shit to watch. I pull through, and there's this big meaty looking dude making some damn shrimp and a pineapple shell. And I start watching, That's I thought, right. well, fuck it, Jean Paul, we're fixed to have him on today.
2: <laughs> that is a damn good-looking meal. How long does that take you to cook? Man, not not too much. Like fried rice, as long as you have the ingredients prepped, you know, the onions cut, garlic cut, the rice cooked, the process of making fried rice is actually really quick. Stir-fry, right? I mean, that's why they can whip it up in five minutes in the back of your local Chinese joint, you know? Uh, so, I mean, if, as long as you can put the minimal ingredients together and have them ready for that pot or that wok you're pretty good man i think even you can do it jeff i mean I if you know. can blow oh you can make some fried rice i can't, that's my, blow,
1: I can't that's my blow a goose call he hired people for that yeah i hire people to do that stuff
2: <laughs> oh you're screwed dude you, yeah. you should just <laughs> to, like scrambling eggs or something i don't know <laughs>
1: yeah yeah now i i can scramble some eggs but on that recipe when you use rice you use white rice do you cook it the day before and put it in a ziplock and let it dry out in the refrigerator yeah
2: yeah. You kind of want to use stale rice for fried rice. You don't want it to all be hot and soft when you throw it in there from like freshly cooked. I mean, you could do that. You don't have to be the day day over either. You can, you know, cook it in the morning, spread it out in a pan, let it sit at room temperature um, for, you know, a couple of hours, put it in the fridge for a couple of hours and it will, it will dry out that all that air and moisture is going to kind of dry out all the grains and make it perfect for fried rice. Of course, a day or two after, I mean, I typically make fried rice when, if I get if I get Chinese takeout, I'll get an extra little thing of rice, know that I'm not going to eat it, and just put it in the fridge and let it cool, and then I'll just use that um, the day after and maybe make fried rice. I typically don't order fried rice at Chinese restaurants or anywhere like that. I like my fried rice, but, you know, they always give you rice, steamed rice on the side. Might as well do something with it. Instead of throwing it away, you know, um, but that's typically how I roll with
1: it. Well, that was a damn good looking recipe, and I like what you cook. You done the eggs in it, and yeah. You, and and you you scrambled the. Egg. You didn't really scramble. I mean, you cooked the eggs with the. Uh, was it with the onions? You did the eggs, with
2: or? With, with, with mushrooms? With yeah.
1: mushrooms. That's what it was.
2: Mushrooms in it. I, I happen to like mushrooms in my fried rice. Like that's the kind of thing about fried rice. It's sure. It's really a vessel. Right, you got leftover barbecue that from your favorite barbecue joint some brisket some pulled pork or chopped ribs or something like that You can make barbecue fried rice uh, Using the same method My point is that fried rice is a great vessel to use all kind of other ingredients So if you don't like mushrooms fine don't use mushrooms if you want to put pineapple in it like I did a plus go ahead and do that, but really um, it's a great leftover medium right like whenever you got leftovers whatever it is it could be mom's spaghetti and meatballs it can be meatloaf it can be shrimp it can be fish the odds are it's going to be pretty darn good um in some fried rice with some eggs and soy sauce and garlic and ginger and so on
1: that shit look good i'm telling you right now
2: i had a guy you asked last... yeah. oh God. So, like one of the things i've been focusing on lately is like Not trying to do all my own videoing not trying to do my own editing but hiring somebody to do that because like really like I just love to cook and I've always just since I was a little boy the only job I ever had was in a kitchen since I was able to work you know I just like to cook for people I just want to cook I don't want to be stuck trying to figure out my angles or if the lighting's right or am I is my mic on or is it recording especially not to edit fuck the edit I don't want to work you know like. Um, so I started, I got a guy out in, out in, uh, Brian college station that comes down. We film four or five recipes. He edited, he edits them for me. And then, you know, that's what at least what I'm going to start doing. Uh, then that's one of those videos that he helped me do.
0: Yeah. The, the editing is the absolute worst part. I mean, it, it is. I just want to pull my hair out any time that that thought ever gets even just doing this. Like this is pretty rudimentary, like with the cameras and stuff like that. But still, like I just know every night, like fuck, I've got to edit this and put it up, and it's not good. I don't. Yeah. I don't I, enjoy that.
2: But I'm smart enough to know, like when I'm good at something mm-hmm. and when I can just like get by. I get by with editing, you know, and it'll never be as good as I. Want it to be in my head if I'm going to continue to do it. So, like my strong points are cooking. You know, like that's what I'm good at. I'm good at cooking and talking about food, and having that having that discussion. But um, I figure if I can, you know, stick to what I'm good at. Most people should take that advice. Stick with <laughs> what you that, and uh, and just try to lean into that. So.
0: Have you always kind of been natural on the other side of the camera, like with food and stuff, like talking about food and and the nuances of cooking? Have you always has that always just kind of been your niche?
2: I've always been natural at talking about it because I've always been interested in it. And I study it, and I research it, even since I like seriously since I was a little boy, and I can remember standing over my mom and dad's new viking range when they remodeled the the kitchen and taking dry spices like dried oregano black pepper cayenne paprika and just like literally opening the cap and pouring them over the fire Mm -hmm. uh like an open flame and just seeing what they did in the fire how they smelled the little sparks that they gave off when they ignite i've just always been curious about that so i've had it's been really easy for me to have that conversation now in front of camera. No, I was, I didn't know I was comfortable in front of a camera talking and cooking simultaneously in front of a camera. That's, that's a different skill. Like a lot of people can cook on camera. A lot of people can talk on camera doing the two together is it can be, and especially if you're cooking with other people or entertaining other people at the same time, that can be, um, a little overwhelming for, for many. I didn't know that until, um, I got the, I got one of my jobs in New York city when I was still living there and they put me through media training because I was going to go on good morning America. I was going to go on Fox and friends. I was going to have these conversations about food, about the restaurant on live television. Now that's, that's (laughs) another, that's a whole different beast. like live TV, no editing. You get what you get. You got two and a half minutes to get your point across. And um, I went to media training for a weekend, and I just had the funnest time, man. I just had a good time, like, being on there. And I remember, you know, my teacher or whatever, she she told me, she was like, look, you're, you're really good at this. You seem natural at it. You should try to pursue doing more of this. And I took her advice because I liked it, you know. I felt like I was good at it and just kept doing it. And, um, you know, that was eight years ago. So, so Here we
0: are. So you so you get hired on at the place in New York, and did they already have like media obligations, or how did all that come up to where they're like, oh yeah, by the way, in addition to all this, you're also going to go to these different places, and they're going to do a live interview with you, and you're going to be cooking in front of millions of people on live television.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I think that when you're in New York City, if you have a if you have a a, a PR company or a publicist that is you know, pushing those things to get a message out there about a place. New York's the perfect place to do that because the hub for so many of those shows. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and I was the big burly Louisiana guy taking over this New York city, you know, barbecue restaurant. Um, you know, that, that was an identity they were trying to fill, if you will. And they didn't have that prior to me. It was a, it was a guy from New Jersey and, um, they wanted to kind of, Really make sure that they were saying, "Hey, we got you know real southern talent in here to cook this real southern food," and I think that was part of their messaging. I didn't give a shit. I was just having fun, you know. Like what I cook is what I cook, and who I am is who I am. I wasn't trying to leverage that. It's just how I do it, you know. So um, when I when I went into that media training, they had a big, you know, a a big kind of marketing push to lean into that identity that this is right here this right. this in persona uh no and, and so i look i just um kind of like duck camp dinners i just I, I am who i am i'm unapologetic about that i love what i love and i talk about the things that i care about um whether people think they're in my lane or not it doesn't, that doesn't matter to me um if i i love fried rice i love cooking the foods of southeast asia But I'm from Louisiana. Like, I don't give a shit. It tastes good to me. I cook it. I talk about it. So um, I think there's a freedom in that for sure.
0: Yeah. How crazy is it that a guy from southern Louisiana goes to New York to run a barbecue place? Of all the things, a barbecue place.
2: Well, in my defense, I did not go to New York to run a barbecue place. I went to New York to kind of work in restaurants and build my career. The barbecue place wasn't until... Um, you know, five or six years after I got into New York city, I was really curious about fine dining restaurants. That's what I want to, I want to work in fine dining restaurants. And I had in Louisiana, in California, in St. Thomas. Um, and, um, when it came to New York, you know, I live by a motto of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that New York was one of those places that I would feel the most uncomfortable in I'd never been there I didn't have a job at that time you needed New York experience uh, To get a job in New York now. Nobody gives a shit about that. They're all just so thirsty for cooks at least good cooks. Mm -hmm. They'll take anybody from anywhere Um, But at the time I could not get a job um, without having most places would not hire me because I didn't have New York experience um, and, um, but I knew I was a good cook. I knew I loved it. I knew I was ready for that. Um, cause I had spent time in San Francisco and Napa Valley and new Orleans. And I was in these great iconic, I'd spent four months in France, uh, going to school there. I mean, I had, you know, been around the world at this point cooking, so I was, I wasn't scared of New York, but I knew it would make me really uncomfortable And I knew that was how I was going to evolve and change and get better as a chef. I mean, no matter what you think about the city, um, it is the top one of the top five food cities in the world when it comes to fine dining, culturally diverse dining, mom and pop places, commercial places. I mean, New York's it, man. There's, There's Seoul, South Korea. Uh, there's LA, there's New York, there's San Sebastian, Spain, there's Rome, Italy, there's uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. There's you know there's there's only a few cities like it. Um, and I, being this small town kid from South Louisiana, felt like if I could put myself in this like really uncomfortable city, and a, I like literally I had a pair of blue jeans and an LSU hoodie that my sister gave. <laughs> Christmas that I, at that point I probably only wore three times in my life because when does it ever get cold enough in Louisiana to wear a hoodie right. in like five days in February. So um, that was it. That's what I had. And I and I remember the first week I was in New York, we had 13 inches of snow and, you know, I was in Doc Martens and jeans and an LSU hoodie or something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot has changed, but, you know, that city, man, it, it's a grindstone. You know, like you're point A to point B, you're trying to get there with as little friction as possible. You know, there's, you know, there's MTA train delays. There's the guy shitting on the subway uh, right next (laughs) to you. You know, there's all kind of stuff going on. There's all kind of friction points just from getting from point A to point B. And I think uh, just all those little things kind of um, toughen you up, if you will.
0: There's no city, and I have obviously I hadn't been there since COVID, but. There's no city like New York City. The energy that you feel when you step out onto the street, it's unparalleled. Las Vegas. Uh, Yeah. Vegas. I don't know, but New York City. There's just something. You know that the entire world is ran like through New York City. Like it's just. It's something about it. And I don't know. You know, I like any show that's centered around New York. I usually like it just because Mm -hmm. there's a there's a vibe to it.
2: Certainly. Certainly a vibe. That's for sure.
0: And I I just I just love it.
1: I got the complete opposite vibe when I was in D.C
0: oh really i felt like Uh, it
1: just sucked the energy out of everything
2: i could see that jeff i mean that's a good i mean it kind of sucked dc and the people that live in it you know the people that empower in dc kind of sucked the energy out of everything it was like
1: biggest fraudulent waste in the world walking around you walk you drive down the street there and all you see is big 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 buildings money mm -hmm. everywhere and you just that's the first thing i thought of i thought my gosh what a lot of waste we have right here
2: oh Although I would say next time y'all go to D.C., one of my top five restaurants in the country lives in D.C. And it's called the Dabney and um, the D-A-B-N-E-Y, I think. And it's a little small place and a lot of people haven't even heard about it unless you're in D.C. But I tell you what, it is some of the best food. I mean, really well done. Not like. You don't need to go in a suit and tie. It's not one of those powerhouse DC places. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it is so good. Top five, in my top five best restaurants in the country.
1: Give us your top five restaurants in the country <sighs> Pesh
2: in New Orleans, the Dabney in DC, um, Odd Duck in Austin, um, Chez Panisse. Berkeley let's see what would be my fifth um probably Highlands Bar and Grill Birmingham Alabama that's okay that's
1: where I'm going with it. tell me the place in New Orleans the PESH you called it
2: PESH P-E-C-H. I've never heard of that
1: even what, what kind of food is it is it Cajun food
2: it it's seafood focused so it's like it's um very seafood heavy oyster bar whole fish Grilled shrimp, all those crabs, all those little things that Louisiana, kind of seafood items that Louisiana is known for. Um, But it's done in a very, um, done in a very like, I don't know, honest but Mediterranean way. Still has a lot of obviously uh, ties to the south and New Orleans and and the food. But Donald Link, um, Donald Link and I forget his partner's name that run it. uh, But Link has a number of great restaurants um, in Louisiana and knows his way around um uh, you know the foods of south louisiana really well so when he opened that that's it's always been one of my favorite favorite places um in the city it's it's a it's older there's a number of restaurants that have popped up since pesh obviously but it continues just to be like consistent good and i send everybody there and they're always grateful for that for that um that one
1: now i looked this up
2: i would also say chubby fish in south in charleston south carolina has got to be somewhere you know maybe somewhere in that top five if you know one of those chubby make it so i was fish
0: my wife is going there next year she's going to charleston on a girl's trip and she's looking at she's she's already she's a planner so like it's a year out and she's already like putting shit on a list so i'll have to tell her that one
1: now i looked up fish. I, yep. I looked up Pesh. Now, Andy, how would you have spelled Pesh?
0: <clears throat> P-E-S-H. That's the
1: way I tried to spell it. It didn't come up that way. <laughs> it's Kunas, P-E-H. P-E-C-H. Oh. But Close I'm one. looking at their menu. And you know what's funny is their menu, they're not real expensive either. I mean, it's just a really yeah. good restaurant.
2: Yeah, like most of those places aren't that I – well, I mean, yeah, I guess like Bir- Highlands can be expensive. But it's Birmingham, Alabama. It's not going to be that bad, you know? Right these in Berkeley can be expensive, uh, for sure.
1: But yeah, a twenty-two ounce ribeye is eighty-five bucks. That's a you go to a good restaurant. That's going to be the normal price. Andy went to yep. South Beach last year. How
0: much was that steak at South Beach? Oh fuck, two hundred dollars? No, Oof. no, it wasn't that much. It was it was expensive though. It was over it was over a hundred bucks. Yeah, we got stuck. My wife and I we had our ten year anniversary, so we went to. Uh, St. Lucia. St. Lucia. And we got the day that the airlines shut down, we were stuck. We were trying to get our connecting flight in Miami. So we got stuck there overnight. They told us we could get on standby at 530 in the morning. This is at 11 o'clock at night. And we're like, fuck that. Like, what's the – when can you for sure have us a seat? And they said it would be the the following evening. So anyway, we, we had half a day in Miami, so we just kind of went and dicked around. I had a Cuban sandwich, though. It's pretty good. But –
2: i like miami bro i i'm a big fan of florida my we, wife we and time. i love florida yeah yeah st lucia's a great island huh it and was had a good
0: time. yeah we went to, we went to all-inclusive resort um andy's it gonna, was beautiful b-
1: before we get into this andy broke the law down there and he may not be allowed to come back <laughs> no andy hijacked <laughs> a cocaine shell conch shell a cocaine it had cocaine in it i'm sure
0: it does not. It's He's sitting on our mantle right now. He stole
1: us, son of a bitch. Some poor guy is swimming and getting conch shells and puts them on the deal, and he puts it in his bag and walks off with it. <laughs> Hold on, there's a
2: unbelievable. Leave <laughs> it to the Texans <laughs> to steal the national treasure of the Caribbean Isles. A thirty
0: dollar fucking shell too. Thirty bucks. I don't even would have paid rent for that guy for a year. He probably didn't say how much it was. In- we had we had gone on a, a booze cruise. Basically, we went and saw the the mud baths and all that stuff. And anyway, the rum punch was very, very potent on this boat ride back. So very rummy, very yeah, very <laughs> high, heavy on the rum. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we met some people there, so we we hung out with them at the at the bar for the rest of the afternoon. And we're going back to our room, kind of via the beach. And there's a conch shell there. And my wife is like, "Oh my God, we've been I've been looking for this, and it just happens to be here." <laughs> so,
1: happened to be a Rolex in that jewelry store across the street too. You could have just taken.
0: And
2: as Jeff said, it wasn't sand in the conch shell. No, Andy. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we put it in our bag, and this uh, this gentleman comes up and he's like, "You have our conch shell." And by this time, like I'm, we're obliterated. And I'm like, "Nope, not us." He was like, "It was here." <laughs> Like, I don't know what happened to it, and anyway, we went back to our room, and, but, like, as I sobered up, we had our flight the next day, and I, I started, like, we had already packed our bag, conch shell was in the bag, and, like, we're waiting on the transport to go to the airport, and, like, I start, I start sweating, like, oh, fuck, what if he has drugs in this conch <laughs> shell, and it's in my bag now? Well, and, and I started, I, I really started, I thought I was going to have a panic attack, and then I had another couple of rum punches and got a little buzz before the airport, and, I was okay. If you
1: watch Locked Up Abroad, mm-hmm. St. Lucia is on there on one time and a guy is True. a drug mule. I just I think that's all this all this home improvements y'all are doing and stuff. I think we know how <laughs> what you're doing now. It's not waterfowl tips, it's cocaine and conch cell tips Andy's living right. off of. That's it. I so, keistered it. So let me ask you this now. You you gave me your best restaurants. Give me some places that the average Joe can go have a lunch at a diner like divins Drivers, and which 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 is his name i can't remember guy fieri he does you got to have some places like that out there that are just hole in the hole in the wall that an average working guy can go in and have lunch for 20 bucks
2: Uh man there's i mean i eat at those places in every city that i go to um it's almost hard to define that like it's not a, not an easy question I would say if you're going to New Orleans, like Domelis's Po' Boys is one of my favorite kind of po' boy joints in um, in um, in New Orleans, uh, along with Parkway Tavern. I think it's it's a lot of people's you know verse. like so. You're even Team Domelis or Team Parkway Tavern. I happen to skew a little bit more towards Domelis's Po' Boys, mostly because it's like. It's a little bit more of a New Orleans, Louisiana experience when you go in there. It's hole in the wall, like fire grease smell everywhere. <laughs> Old ladies cooking, frying shrimp, frying fish, doing their po' boy thing. I would say New Orleans, that's one of them. Um, you know, when it comes to Houston, you know, the when it comes to Houston, I would say like that working class kind of one. Like, I'm going to Bel Air. I'm going to Chinatown. I'm going to eat Korean, Vietnamese, I'm going to eat dim sum for 30 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Easy.
1: What is that?
2: What, dim sum? Yeah. Dim sum is, um, it's really fun, actually. Traditionally, they roll around these carts that have levels and trays of different types of food on them, or dim sum. And they basically, like, show you the food on the tray, and you say, I want one of that, one of that, one of that. It's equivalent to ordering like 20 appetizers and as many – like you order one or two or three or however many in, in in your party. And that's that's what dim sum is. It's like this this little small dumplings, little pockets of things, little fried things that you order. It's similar to like how the Spanish do tapas mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So – yeah, I would have to put. The, I would have to really think about and put a list together. Obviously, there's Arnold's Country Kitchen in Nashville, home like famous for the meat and three, kind of kind of thing that all that Middle Tennessee area is known for. Um, I love a good meat and three. I'm not. There's not a lot of meat and threes in Texas from what I can find. If y'all y'all know any meat and three places in Texas,
1: don't even know what the fuck a meat and three is. I don't either. <laughs> is that <laughs> meat and three vegetables? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it, uh, or three sides. So three it's basically sides. like cafeteria style. If you, you, y'all ever been to Piccadilly?
1: Yes. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. yes. Furs?
2: Similar to, yeah. <laughs> Similar to Piccadilly where like they may have this like sugar roasted ham, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I want some ham. They carve it off and you pick three sides. Well, Arnold's Country Kitchen is like the, the godfather, the mecca of those places. And it used to be in the Tennessee area. And I would say like Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, all, like all that little pockets in the center of the country had a had a strong meet and three, um, uh, meet and three scene, which was just like Ash, like you you could go and get a meet and three for under ten bucks. I think you still can at Arnold's Country Kitchen, um, and a lot of those places were that working class blue collar places you would go in for lunch, and um, and really dive into.
1: Have you been to Hattie B's in Nashville?
2: I have been to Hattie B's. It is a great hot chicken place, Oof. although I am partial to I am partial to Prince's hot chicken. Um that is probably one of my favorites, but Hattie B's does a great job, man. They're they're good. You, you are you a, are you a spicy fan, Jeff?
1: The Mother Clucker, baby. That shit's good.
2: And you is that the hottest one?
1: Yeah, the, the I had the Mother Clucker and I get the Frozen Jack and Coke, and that is oh freaking awesome man i'm telling you, whoever come up with a icy with booze suckers are point on
0: you also had the Here. burnt sphincter the next day
1: yeah my asshole was on fire the next morning i wish i'd have had some ice cream Woo. <laughs> <laughs> shit was good though how Dude, good? they
2: be like, it's crazy how hot they make and yeah. how people order like i'm good for like one tender of the mother clucker then i want like something i can eat five of you know what i mean like i can't eat five mother clucker tenders you know
1: how about how, how about this now? Geno's or
0: or Pats? Or
2: Pats? In- Man, I'm I'm so I don't know if you just I just came back from Philly for 2 days. I saw that. I've never been to Geno's or Pats.
0: Well, Geno's um, is good.
2: Now, there's one called Delisandros. And for those that are listening to this podcast, and if you've been to Delisandros, you know what's up and you're like you're, I've, I just got Philly street cred just now, just <laughs> from Alessandro. So, like, um, you know, uh, but I would – that is one of my favorites, Delisandros And also um, Steve's Prince of Steaks, which is much different from most other Phillies, which is more like a chopped shaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve's Prince of Steaks does more like um, – they take a meat slicer on the ribeye and do it really, really thin, maybe like an eighth of an inch or so. So it's really, it's got like multiple like steaks on it. It's not just shaved, and that's really that that was a really good one too. My my Philly Philly cheese steak joints, the and Steve's Prince of Steaks, and those who are watching that know the deal. Street creds for JP right here. <laughs>
1: okay, I'm going to ask you about another one. A place I ate in Los Angeles one time, Canners Deli. I had a tongue sandwich. Woo! It was out of this world. Have you been to? I've Kanner's? never.
2: Been- yeah i've only spent i i've only spent three days in l a in my life but there's a place called the apple pan i think I think it's called the apple pan um and they have great apple pies obviously the apple pan but also their cheeseburgers are really great it's a counter like you go sit up at the counter it's a u-shaped counter I don't think there's any tables Jeff are you looking that up it's called apple pan no but I will I can look it up and I think looking it's it up. Apple- Los Angeles, and it's one of those places in Los Angeles that, like, it's still like, I mean, it is like it was whenever it opened. You know, I mean, it hasn't changed. The U shaped counter, um, red and white cheeseburgers. Yes, yes. Apple
0: pie. The app. The Apple Pan, uh, L.A. Jonathan Gold's favorite L.A. burger from the L.A. Times. Zagat's got articles on it. It's a real deal. Yeah, there it I'm is. Big, the u shaped bar. I'm a, big,
2: I'm a big fan of of um I'm a big fan of Jewish delis though. So when you say when you say like beef tongue sandwich, I'm thinking that's where you're at, huh? Oh, Jeff? yes. Like yes.
1: It? it was it's With actually it, it's an interesting it's an interesting place. I think it was on Sunset Strip, Canners, but uh it's where Guns and Roses would go every night after they played late at night so you could see them in there every night when they were still up coming up and stuff. They got pictures and stuff in there. And they've got one now in uh maybe the Mirage in Vegas. Last time I was in Vegas, had had one brung over there. Same yeah. as uh what's Carnegie Deli. I don't know how the hell anybody eats a sandwich. Could they eat the whole sandwich at Carnegie yeah. Deli anyways.
2: I think Carnegie's closed now. Carnegie Are closed they? A, yeah, I think they close about uh I was still in New York when they closed. Um yeah, maybe six, seven years ago, something like that.
1: Man, it's too bad. Had a Liverwurst sandwich there one time, and it was fucking awesome. And I don't even like liver.
2: Where in Vegas?
1: <laughs> no, in New York.
2: Oh, Cats I mean, uh, now is the king. Uh, I think I think Cats has always been the king, but Carnegie was always like in Midtown, so it got a lot of <clears throat> play in the tourism crowd. But Cats Deli in New York is the is the pastrami corned beef. Jewish deli of of record expertise at this point in time.
1: We ate at a cat somewhere else, and I can't. I'm gonna look it up right now. There's a cat's ate. deli somewhere else now.
2: Yeah, I bet you there's a cat's like in L.A. Maybe you know or Vegas, something like that.
1: Yeah, we there's we one in one Houston. There's actually one in Houston. Really? Yep. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, on the, in the woodlands.
2: There, there you go. Now I got now, now <laughs> I know on the menu next week.
0: I can't, I think we went to, we might have gone to Carnegie, we went to New York for our honeymoon, and You uh, went to Carnegie, I think Whichever one only takes cash, because that that was like a little oh shit moment, because you know, I was in New York City, so I was just using my credit card everywhere And Mm -hmm. uh, it was like only cash, I was like, fuck, I like started counting real quick, had enough to cover the bill, thank God, that would have been
2: Big old pile of, pile of
1: meat on those sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. you can't even... Cats is, is in Montrose on Westheimer. Montrose is the gay part of Houston, isn't it? I wouldn't know. I think it is.
0: He hadn't been here that long, Jeff. Well. <laughs> he's, not, he's not scoping all these I think, I think that's. Out. I
1: think that's the Oak Lawn area, which is the Dallas area. I think that's the um, gay area in Houston. I have way too much so information they, in my they, head. They
0: to
2: franchise them a little bit, I
1: guess. Yeah, they've got... I think there's two In Houston
0: It's going to be Interesting to see Because a lot of, Sometimes when that Happens like the Quality kind of Starts to It's not as good Obviously as the Original I can think of a yep. Couple places that Are that way Sure
2: Like when you go To Cats There's a guy With a big old Foot long Two foot long Fork Prong like prodding Briskets and Corned beef And taking them Out of the Smoker and Giving you Slices before He cuts yours Like you can't Replicate that mm-hmm. You know That's You know That's Unfortunately, I, I'm sure it's it's probably one of those things where they're smoked and packed and shipped and then reheated and sliced. Right. Which I've had some really good sandwiches like that. But experiential wise, you can't beat a place that has a old, you know, seventy year old man poking at <laughs> briskets in a smoker and you know shaving your pastrami. So
1: there's, there's three of them in Houston. Jeez,
0: crazy. Golly,
2: out on Texas. How about it?
0: um so have you always had this natural ability to just kind of blend in wherever you go because i mean you've been all over the world like have you always just had had a knack of like picking up with the locals and and just running that way
2: Uh, i mean you know i don't know where that came came from but the answer is is yes i think a lot of it is my embracing just being uncomfortable like being comfortable with being uncomfortable right like even though you don't look the same talk the same eat the same as somebody in this town or in this city or in this country um you know there's more of us that there's more that unites us than separates us is my opinion and so i like to find those little things and 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 uh you know personally i like being the only white guy in an area and a white guy in a restaurant um but for the most part like yeah i I think as far as working wise and, and and living all over the country and spending time a lot of time overseas both as a tourist and as a student um i don't know i've just seen too many damn good people and too much damn good food um you know not to find a place a home there you know and i think good people are good people no matter where you're from and you can locate those and you know it's easy to be a chameleon you know you don't are or, or you don't even have to be a chameleon you don't have to blend into another culture, uh, good people accept other good people as as their own. And I think that that goes for Texans, that goes for Laotians, that goes for anybody from all over the world. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think, but one thing I like I never try to do is I never try to change a person's idea of like what's good and what's not or tell them like that's wrong the way I do it is right. I mean, I'm not going to go tell a, old, a Cajun grandma that's from Terrio, Louisiana how to make a seafood gumbo, right? That the way she makes it is right. Yeah. Also the way I make it is right. We can both be right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and um you know, it's just like you don't disrespect somebody's, you know, food and food like that cuz that's disrespect somebody's culture, somebody's history, somebody's family traditions. You know that'd be like, you know, telling y'all how to goose hunt because you somebody did it in South Dakota and yeah. they know it's best in South Dakota. Right. But no matter if you live in West Texas, so I think it's just embracing people's, you know, already, you know, love of their own place.
0: See, I'm just I'm not a good travel. I want to be a good traveler. I'm not a good traveler. Like I, I, I just I. I don't like the unknown, I guess. I like, you know, I like what I know, and I like to stay in my lane. When I go some, like when we were in the St. Lucia airport, we had to have all this paperwork. I fucking wore myself out on whether or not I got the right goddamn paperwork. Like, I was a fucking nervous wreck the whole time. Listen to this. We're leaving next week,
1: and we're going to Puerto Rico for a week. The whole family is. Andy... Nice. Won't you couldn't you won't be able to drive a nail up Andy's ass with a sledgehammer? He's gonna be so fucking. But ready. I want
0: I want to relax. I want to have fun. I want to be able to enjoy the the local culture and the local cuisine. I'm it's not just
1: possible. You I'm not built that way.
0: Like I want to know exactly where I'm going. I want to know what they. I want to know like what's all expected of me when I get there. It it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. I hate traveling.
1: Tell me some places to go to in the in around San Juan area. I've never been to Puerto Rico. God so, almighty, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about I thought, boy, he's going to have some places for us to go you. eat
2: I couldn't tell you I mean You know, I've lived I've, I i lived in a very densely populated Puerto Rican and Dominican neighborhood For two years when I was in New York I've worked with Hundreds of Dominican and Puerto Rican Cooks, so I've eaten a lot of that food But I've never been to Puerto Rico So
1: I want to have some mofongo When I'm down there, never had it
2: yeah, so a lot of the Dominican, like you know, like Dominican baseball players, um, you know, they're they're freaking good. Like most of, if you look at a lot of the uh, Major League Baseball teams, there's going to be a lot of Dominican baseball players, and they they, I've heard I had a lot of cooks that kind of um, you know um, really love some of these players that I these cooks that I've worked with, and they call it mafungo power. That's <laughs> that you know, it's not steroids, it's yeah. mafungo. Is where they get all their juice from But um you know uh that's a That's a good dish pernil p-e-r-n-i-l Is good it's a roasted pork Thing um Um god what's the name Not Mole drone is Okra in spanish But um It's a rice dish you'll, you'll see it everywhere Like pernil Sweet plantains mafungo, And there's a rice and black bean Dish or a rice and brown bean dish It's not quite black beans it's like a little spotted almost like field pea um but man it's super good um and you'll, you'll see that almost at every restaurant um i just cannot remember the darn name of it but i used to get it a lot roasted pork pernil that rice dish and uh, fried sweet plantains are like was a go-to kind of kind of meal for me when i was living in that neighborhood
1: i can't wait to go we're uh jesse has got where is she My got life. us she's got the whole, she's got an itinerary. She's Julie from Love Boat. She's got it all planned she's, out already.
0: Like I said, she's already, she's a year out. She's already planning her trip to Charleston. We're
1: we're going to, there's some place right by where our house is. We've got a house on the beach that we rented, and there's a bunch of food trucks right there.
2: I like the oh, local not-
1: cuisine. When me and Michelle were in Puerto Varda, I wanted to stop and eat at the local, you know, the, on the side of the road at the taco stands. That's where I want to eat at. I don't want to eat it with the damn white tablecloth and shit. I want real, I want to experience where we're at.
2: Yeah, so Andy, this would drive you, the way my wife and I did Turkey would drive you insane. <laughs> and we kind of we kind of told ourselves we were going to do a lot of countries like this in the future. But we spent three weeks in Turkey, and we knew where we wanted to start, and we knew where we wanted to fly out of. That was kind of done by, you know, just booking tickets. And we rented a car. Oh. And we spent like five days here, then drove into another city. And we did some research, but... Like, you know, if we, we, we were able to be flexible uh, and, um, and athletic in how we were going uh, and spending our times in Turkey, because Turkey's full of all these, you know, Jesus walked the earth in those areas, the, the disciples walked the earth in those areas, there's been eight, you know, centuries and centuries of, of empires that have conquered that area and re, uh, you know, reissued themselves as the governing power and so on. So there's all these different ancient ruins. And uh, we just, like, bounced around just haphazardly in a car driving in Turkey. And uh, <laughs> just knew when, knew when we were flying in and knew the day we were flying out. <laughs> and we had to get there. But uh, I tell you what, you know, like, driving, you get to see all those little places, Jeff. Those little roadside stands when you're, like, two hours in between a city. In Turkey, there would be on side of the mountains. In this little stand with like pop-up tents, and you can tell some people were cooking there. And we'd stop in. We couldn't understand the language. We we do our best to translate, and um, and we just order food. Um, but you, we would never come across those little gems if we were flying from place to place, right? You obviously miss so much in the air. But driving, man, that's I mean, that's we maybe we don't do three weeks the next place we go, but we'll definitely drive. Just give us that opportunity to see all those little mom and pop little local places that are like side side of the road places, just to get you know get a hot tea, a good lunch, and then go on with your trip. I thought it was awesome. I My love
0: racing. Just hearing, that I love story. stuff like
1: that Andy, don't realize this, but in Puerto Rico, and I know he does, we've rented a vehicle. We are driving two and a half hours to go take tube down a
0: cave. Where do you think we're not going to be on the interstate, <laughs> Jeff? Puerto Rico, Puerto, it's, it's relatively safe. Turkey, I think that's where they filmed Taken at, so I can't do that. That's way too fucking dangerous.
1: <laughs> There's more people Taken in Puerto Rico probably than in oh, Turkey. Oh,
0: Jeff, get a, get a, get a life. <laughs> I, I want to be, I, like, that's what, I strive to be that way, and my wife, I think that's why she is the way she is, like, planning everything, because she know it puts me at ease whenever we travel, have, <laughs> me having an itinerary, but... Yeah, I just it's it's I don't know, it's not in me, I guess. I worry way too much. I could not go into a, a place where they they did not speak my language cuz I'd be like, "Oh, they're fucking sizing me up." They're sizing me up. <laughs> you they didn't know I don't belong. You wasn't that worried in
1: Mexico when we went?
0: I didn't leave the resort.
1: And you stayed drunk the whole time. Most of the time. See, Mexico doesn't bother me at all to go somewhere on the back streets and stuff. Oh. I think if you mind your own business, fuck you'll be in that. good shape. No I really worries. I believe that. Those people don't want to fuck with you.
0: <laughs> Yeah, they do. No. I- yeah. Well, we were, in, we were in
2: Morocco about three years ago, and um, and we were we were very plainly – we were very told by locals, like, do not let your wife walk these streets by yourself. Like, you have to walk with her. Like, it's a predominantly Muslim country. They're very progressive. So, like, she never had to wear headscarves or anything – wear headscarves or anything like that unless you went into religious places. Um, so, obviously, you respect all those traditions. But – like, there's not many places in the world that Google Maps haven't mapped. <laughs> the old square of, of Marrakesh in Morocco is one of those places. I mean, it's like it's an ancient city that have like dead-end side streets, little – I mean, no lights, no – you know, nothing oh. like that. There's some sketchy – there's oh. some sketchy things going on uh, in some of those back streets. And even me walking with Candace and going back to our hotel – or uh some of the places we were staying it's like whoo my ass will fuck it up quite a bit <laughs> like it's, it can get a little sketchy but i don't know for me it's like you know that uncertainty you can i mean there's so much you can find out on google on youtube all these different trips all these things that people do you could plan it to the t mm. but uh, i don't know there's not a lot of surprises left in life like we didn't we didn't find out our child's sex until it was born. He was born. And that's because, like, we just figured there was not a lot of surprises left. And we wanted that to be one of them. And I think when we travel, my wife and I, we look for that. I look for that every in every bite of food I eat in any new restaurant. I'm looking for a surprise of something that I haven't eaten, something that I haven't seen, smell, taste uh, before. And um, I don't know. Like, there's just not a lot of surprises left. Like, and... Whenever I can find them, I'm going to go for it. So, so I think that's, that's what fuels my travel, right? Like is understanding all those things that I thought I knew about and actually have no freaking idea about, but you got to get there to, to figure it out.
1: I like to go to places I've never been before and try stuff like that. But then I like to go back and have it again. And there's a dish that I had in Grand mm-hmm. Marais, Minnesota at a little cafe deli restaurant that's right on the, on Lake Superior. In the little old town, and they had a Swedish seafood stew, and it was a tomato broth one. It's one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. Had leeks in it, and I would go back, I would drive all the way up there to have that again in the wintertime. Very, very good meal. Did When you were in Morocco, did you eat with your
2: fingers? Uh, you do eat a lot with your fingers. Uh, you typically have flatbreads, um, mm-hmm. you know, like. As thin as a tortilla, but larger that you would tear and kind of use as a, as a utensil, if you will, you know, to keep your hands relatively clean.
1: I used to watch Andrew Zimmerman all the time, and I would, I'd like to be on that show with him. I don't even know if that show's on anymore, because mm-hmm. he eats a lot of weird shit, but uh, a lot of it looks really, really good, too, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, shoot, man, we, we eat a lot of weird shit, you know, like, Oysters. I don't, yeah, bunan, mm-hmm. you know, like, bunan made from pork liver and stuffed inside of, you know, mixed with rice and stuffed inside of a hog casing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird.
0: So. I'd still like to know how hungry the first person was that ate, that cracked open that first oyster and was like, I think we can eat that. They had to be hungry. Yeah. And stranded.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I often think about that. Like, I mean, what about like, I mean even like a blackberry like yeah they're thorny they're thorny little bushes that grow these like dark things like look so appetizing you know like i don't know there's other things in nature that'll kill you if you eat that you know like yeah but you know the poor soul that went around well, well i guess cletus you know like we nominate cletus <laughs> to go out today and try thing and like if he comes back <laughs> you know cletus wasn't that
0: cool anyway you know like <laughs> So, so and every got,
1: tribe had a dumbass that had yeah. to taste the mushrooms to see which ones. Ah, he'll would he'll, he'll you.
0: fucking eat anything. If he can come back from that, he might trip his balls off for yeah. half a day, but he can eat those mushrooms. We're 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 confident. See that fucker with All the right, swelled I'm, up head over there? Hold on.
2: I'm gone inside to check my rabbit real quick. Uh oh. Oh yeah. See a little a little, yeah. little pot of little pot of rabbit legs cooking just that right there. Now,
0: what I have is, not uh, had a rabbit from? in 40 years. You killed that, I'm assuming? You can't, you can't buy a rabbit, can you? Yeah.
2: No, you I cannot kill it. And, you can, and I did find it here in Houston. I'm actually uh, testing a recipe for a cookbook. Not my cookbook, <clears throat> but a cookbook. Um, and um, it's rabbit boudin stuffed inside of the rabbit body, the rabbit saddle. And then I'm going to cook it in a Dutch oven over the fire, buried in coals, and so on and so forth. So right now, I'm cooking the rabbit legs to better pull off the bone and then make boudin with that and rice and rabbit liver and so on.
0: But you found it, you found it at a store. I've never seen rabbit in a store. I don't think I'm going to that right place.
2: I grew, up, I grew up rabbit hunting. We used to hunt them with beagles, and I had a buddy uh, whose dad raised four or five beagles that, were, that we use as rabbit dogs, and he's a sugar cane farmer. And so he would always leave like one of his squares or acres or whatever it was. I don't know what the correct term for it, like free of sugarcane for a planting and let it kind of grow up for a year or two. And then we would hunt rabbits out of that for like, you know, a couple weekends out of the season, because once you kind of, you know, shoot them all, they're done out of that field, but they would anyways repopulate. And so I grew up uh, rabbit hunting and, um, with beagles and that was actually before I ever went duck hunting. You know, it was squirrels with a twenty gauge, rabbit with a twenty gauge, dove, you know, so on in the fields, and you know, then then I kind of graduated going with my dad in the duck line But so I'm uh, I'm I'm making a rabbit boot ass stuffed inside of a rabbit saddle. Today.
0: Now, if you cook it thoroughly, can you can you eat it year round? Even if you cook it thoroughly, because don't they say like only eat wild rabbit and months it in with R or something like that?
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they will get wormy. Right. Um, which, you know, like, I'm just not even taking the chance. I'm sure if you cook it thoroughly, everything dies, right? Like right. over 165 bacteria can't live, Mo- you know, living organisms. They just, they just are now going to become mush, mm-hmm. but rice mallard breast. Yep. Like they say, they say is fine to eat, but I ain't eating it, Chung-y. you know, nope. I'll put that on the catfish line, you yeah. know, like,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, i'm not so, ta- i'm not taking a chance
2: uh, yeah i'm not you know i'm not a biologist or or a doctor but i would say just go shoot rabbits in the in the fall and winter and have fun with them and then move on to fishing or something you know yeah. um summer
1: do you eat gasper goo i
2: fuck? i've and when i was um when i was a little boy we used to catch the hell out of Gasper goo, and I feel like we ate them, but I haven't seen one in a long time.
1: I had a book here at the lodge that I bought at the – there used to be a bookstore across from the old French market in in the uh, in the French market in New Orleans, and it was called Life and Times of the Chaffalai Basin. And mm-hmm. I had a guy up here, and he, he was a book guy, and we were talking about books and stuff, and I had that book up here, and he goes, oh, I'd love to read this. He said, where'd you buy that? And I told him, he said, I'm going to see if my daughter, she lives a couple of hours from there, can go buy it for me. I said, I'll let you take it home, and if you'll send it back to me. Oh, man, I would do that. Guess what? you never sent my book back to me. But anyways, it had a bunch in there, and it was just the life and times of living in the Chafalai Basin back in the day. And it was interesting, and the gas goo was a big part of what the people would eat back then.
2: Yeah. I remember catching them um, as a little boy, like, going freshwater fishing. Now, we would – a lot of times, I feel like we'd catch them when we go shoe pick fishing, which is the American bowfin. Um, um, and now, now they they get caviar from them. They call them uh, Cajun caviar. But there's a lot of fish like Gaspergoo, shoe pick, um, um, alligator gars, or garfish in general that were staples of, and still are staples of, like, Cajun cooking in a lot of ways. And when you go into those little towns like where I grew up, in Lafayette, Louisiana, and you go through some of these meat markets and seafood markets, they'll have Gasper Goo like filets. They'll have garfish balls. Uh, they'll have shoe pick, um, live shoe pick that you have to – the shoe pick, you need to um, keep them live until you're ready to cook them, and then you hit them over the head with a mallet, clean them, and then fry them like really fresh or else they get mushy. So they'll sell – they'll go catch live shoe pick, keep them in an aquarium, and you can go buy shoe pick like that. But, um, you know, that's one of my favorite eating fish, actually.
1: My dad used to say garballs are excellent. He said they taste a lot like shrimp. But I've never yeah, had a garball.
2: I, I I agree with it. You know, a lot of people, they're kind of a pain in the butt to clean and a pain in the butt to catch, too. Uh, but once you do, if you get enough of them and you and you got the patience to clean them, a garball is a delicious thing. I do I do enjoy them.
1: And they're, that's a prehistoric fish, I believe, isn't it?
2: 100 Alligator gars. And if you have if whoever's watching this and never seen an alligator girl, go ahead and google alligator girl. and what you what jeff just said you'll be like oh yeah definitely related to a dinosaur that thing's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah they're,
0: they're yeah. creepy one, one
1: more question i know you're a busy man uh god dang it the stuff they have up uh shit up by seattle and we're gonna be up there to eat them uh motherfucker uh can't think of the damn name of them. They look like a damn dick, a penis, and they.
0: Oh, uh. You, what the hell? They squirt water out of
1: the end of the of bitches. What
0: the hell oh, like? uh, um, I'm Googling food that looks like a penis. <laughs> it's,
2: a, it's a mollusk, or a, yes. it has. A,
0: God, what the hell's the name of that damn thing? It,
2: it, um. Ah. Uh, thank you.
0: Uh. Well, fuck! Don't Google that.
1: <laughs> He's getting all kinds of dick pics now. Gable is it? Is no, it, that's you know, not Gable? it. It's a. Um, well, that's just a penis. Fish. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, have you ever had one of them? Because we're gonna we're going to oh, uh,
2: go go duck
1: gooey go- duck gooey duck
2: gooey ducks. Have yes. you ever had I, one?
1: Because I want to eat one when we yeah. go up northwest.
2: Yeah, and what you're gonna eat is the adductor muscle. To that, it's the thing that goes out and like gets the thing right. It's that. Um, Yeah I mean Where have I had that I've definitely had it on the west coast before Uh, They'll do a number of different things I actually think I've eaten it raw At a um, At a restaurant in Chinatown In San Francisco if I'm not Mistaken and they'll do Like really raw uh, with like You know almost like ceviche And a lot of times people will make it Like conch ceviche It's the same type of thing right It's
1: it's It's the
2: same animal it's not, it's not the same animal, essentially. Right. It's not all, oh, but the same idea. Um, and, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, if I remember right, it has a chewiness to it. Like, conch has a chewiness to it. And um, I think you'll like it, but it's pretty mild flavored, right? It, like, you know, you fry it, and it tastes like a chewy, fried, seafoody thing. Like a scallop. It's not like... It, yeah, yeah, but like a scallop even has more character, I find, than like a like gooey duck. It Scallop kind of, it has a creaminess to it, a sweetness to it. Gooey duck is just, you know, one of those things like, hey, that's not going to kill me. And, <laughs> and I can for this and might as well eat it, right? So, um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest with their, I don't know if you actually have people from the Pacific Northwest. We have a lot. To this. <laughs> but, they're,
1: but they're not, they're not, <laughs> but, liber- none of them are liberals.
2: Yeah, i c I, I can't imagine that. Um but, but yeah, I would say that um yeah, I would say go ahead and try it, Jeff. You know, try it on for size and when it when it looks like a dick, I'm sure you'll <laughs> feel right at home.
0: <laughs> he'll know go, go he'll to know. that neighborhood in Houston, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so how was your uh how was your duck season this year?
2: You know, my duck season was good despite like the overall numbers and i and i did most of my hunting in south louisiana this year mostly because of filming duck camp dinner season two um and despite the duck numbers in that area from what delta waterfowl and ducks unlimited put out we had a good year and and, um you know i did you know i I put the effort in to do a lot of research for filming this year so we'd get on some good hunts the weather sucked i mean i was we were hunting in, and just like single layer sleeves till after Christmas. Yep. Um, and it seemed to, you know, um, it seemed to affect a lot of the puddle ducks, not, not the, uh, not the, uh, the ring necks and the canvas backs and the redheads so much. They, they still came down. Uh, but we did, we saw much less teal and widgeon and gray ducks this year, uh, in, in the area of South Louisiana, but, one thing I was I was really surprised at, and, and I'm not a, a huge – I love goose hunting. I just didn't grow up goose hunting. But the speckled belly geese were down in droves in south in southwest Louisiana uh, come, um, you know, after Christmas in early January, which was – and I, I love speckle belly hunting. So um, we had a really great year. Filming was great. Um, you know, one place I hunted for the first time this year in south Louisiana is Venice. Um, Venice, Louisiana Plaquemines Parish, all the way southeast The farthest you can go And, uh, it's, it's freaking dangerous Man, like, it's dangerous because You got a lot of people hunting mudboats Crossing a foggy River where it's whiteout fog Um, they got no radar You know, they'll, they'll have a Walkie-talkie, you know, to, to go to Coast Guard, but, like, really You need a radar out there because There's these huge shipping So you Obviously Mississippi River Huge ships going down, and you can't see the bow of your boat because of fog. And um, you know, we had we had a couple close calls. Oh shit! Um, and we had some really good duck hunting, which the people in Venice don't want you to know about. <laughs> but uh, but man, it's one of those last places. And so we hunted all out of P-rogs And the areas that we hunt uh, on federal and state uh, management areas don't allow mud boats, and so you have to. Take an outboard to an area, then paddle in in a pirog and have all your gear and even walk it or paddle it or push pull it. And uh, that was my first time down there. And, man, it is a it's like, you know, Venice is one of those places, despite most of Louisiana losing land because of coastal erosion and land loss. Venice, because of the mouth of Mississippi dumps out right there, still is still putting out new land from the silt that's coming all the way down uh, from the north. And it is just awesome to see an ecosystem thriving in South Louisiana because there's so much of it de- depleted.
0: Is there uh, anything that's going to reverse that depletion? Is there any talk, any well, plan?
2: Well, there there are there are many plans, and there are a lot of good organizations and state-run things, state-run initiatives that are doing what they can. One thing that will not happen is they won't de the Mississippi River, mm-hmm. which is – If you really want to solve the problem, that's what needs to happen. But to do that would mean the loss of billions of dollars of agriculture, billions of dollars of personal property. Obviously that's not going to happen. So what they're doing now is pumping sediment and sand and silt from one place to another. And it is, you know, they've made some good strides. The science is there to say like, Hey, it's worth it to put our tax dollars here. Um, you know, leving systems continue to be pushed back into further inland, further inland, which sucks. But um, there are things to slow it. We'll see if those things that slow it eventually stop it. Probably not in our lifetime. Right. <clears throat> but, um, there are projects to preserve those wetlands and ecosystems, but you know, you're fighting Mother Nature, and there's not a lot of evidence to show that we're going to beat mother nature and without the Mississippi river kind of, you know, flooding over those levees and into everything else, it's going to be hard for man to course correct. Uh, but you know, I, I continue to be, I I like to think I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight to kind of tell that story as much as I can, because, you know, like for, for duck hunters, The wetlands in South Louisiana, like, they are just as vital as, let me say, I would say they're secondly, (laughs) second to the pothole regions, right? Like, you need the pothole regions to nest, and you need them to be filled with water. You need that to be a great habitat. Um, But secondly, I would say these wetlands for not just waterfowl, but for, you know, all of, like, the wildlife in South Louisiana, they're vital to... That migration continue to be a consistent and and consistent thing back and forth year year over year. Obviously, the Mississippi River is the bloodline of transit. You know, things coming from, you know, that delta all the way to the middle of America and all, all up the up the north. And so, like those things matter. And I think even for non duck hunters, not people that don't hunt at all, don't know a thing about waterfowl. Like that area of America is vital to the is vital to the the progress of America in general. And so, you know, I, I like to think that I'm fighting on behalf of that a lot of times. But it's you know, that's a that's a fight that you got to wake up for every day and like know that it's going to be kind of a losing battle and just continue to tell that story. And there's plenty of people with boots on the ground in South Louisiana that are for that work on coastal restoration projects that work with the state help fund these things uh that are in it every day not like me living in texas and montgomery like that go to louisiana but that live it breathe it have hurricanes destroyed you know destroying property and so on and still come back to there and fight that fight and like it's just very special people so um you know, as long as there are people like that, there's a chance. You know, as long as there's people like that willing to get up another day and fight another day, there's a chance.
0: But uh, you know, it, it's an uphill battle for sure. Now, everything's Duck Camp Dinner Season Two. It's finished. It's it's is it still being edited, or is that all? Is that all pretty well coming <coughs> yeah. to an end? It's
2: still, it's still being edited. Uh, Duck Camp Dinner Season Two will be out uh, in August probably mid to late August as we start gearing up feeling that itch for teal season. Um, It'll be out on the Meat Eaters YouTube channel uh, sometime in August. It is in the edit. We go to multiple different duck camps in this season. It's going to be seven or eight episodes uh, depending on how it cuts. Like I said, multiple different duck camps, but focusing uh, on duck camps throughout the southeastern portion in the Venice area. Uh, in the lower Terrebonne Parish area where we shot it last year and then also all the way southwest in Cameron and Calcasieu parishes of Southwest Louisiana where you see a lot of the rice fields specklebelly belly geese puddle ducks uh, Still in somewhat of a good concentration. So uh, just telling that whole story of the coastal Southern Louisiana environments and duck hunting and duck camps
0: Have you already pretty well have you got season three outlined? How's that looking? That's what, that's the bitch of it all is about time you yeah. get one done. It's time to start thinking about the next one.
2: Yeah. Season three. Um, you know, there's no, there, there's, there's a full intention on a season three happening. Um, and you know how it's funded, where it goes, that's it like, where it's being played. That's a different question right now. Um, but season three will most definitely take place outside of Louisiana. And, um, you know, we believe that there are, and and Texas is on the list, by the way, of Season 3. Mm-hmm. Chesapeake Bay is on the list of Season 3. California is on the list for Season 3. Quebec is on the list for Season 3. And we believe, like, all these great waterfowl habitats and places have incredible stories to tell, just like the ones we're telling in South Louisiana. And we believe we do that really authentically and honor the people that have lived there that live there that hunt there that have hunted there for generations and just be a part of telling that story we think we can do this indefinitely throughout the united states throughout the world and really have a really cool continuing story to tell about waterfowl habitats and the people that hunt waterfowl and so uh where that happens, we're not sure yet, but it's going to be outside of Louisiana. That's one thing we know. You
1: Hitting could you could go to the Missouri River, and you could go to the Mississippi River, and you could just drive along the edge of the river, and you mm-hmm. could find hunting camps from the start of the river to the bottom in Louisiana and stop in Louisiana, go through <laughs> Arkansas, and you can find enough stuff that you could do 20 years worth of footage from just camps from those places so people are yeah. hunting i had an outfitter call me that and i'm not going to say who it is he's a pretty big outfitter and he's up north and he was call, he called and visited with me the other day and we were talking about hunting season this year and he's really was really he's really concerned the drought and everything and i told him i said listen i said it's hunting good bad or whatever it is i go everybody wants to be on a great hunt there's no doubt but they all want to hunt they want to get mm-hmm. out of the house they want to go enjoy life and their friends. And, yeah, they're going to be disappointed if they don't have a great hunt. But they want to hunt. And hunting started a long time ago as something just to feed your family. There's yeah. nobody hunting today that's relying on what they're killing to feed their family. They may use it that way, but they're not getting that as their main staple or food for all year long. Or the grocery stores wouldn't be selling protein. Yep. Yeah.
2: very few at least. Like- of less than one percent oh yeah, sure.
1: everybody hunts because that's their passion they enjoy it, and those people, whether the limit is one bird, three bird, or eight birds, they're still going to hunt and they still want to do it because those camps are full of those men that just like that is their life yep. and their pa that's their life their their, their passion
0: yeah and, yep. and there's nothing better than you know getting a group of your close friends together and just having a couple cold beers start have a fire going and start telling tales
2: yeah i was talking um to that point guys i was talking to a new hunter the other day and he he is a he had done collegiate um sporting clays um you know he was getting into like hog hunting uh he started filming some turkey hunts and so on and he asked me like why do i like you know i like wing shooting and i'll hunt i'll go hunt i'll go hunt a buck sure um But he said why do you like waterfowl hunting so much and i and my answer i i knew i knew exactly how to answer right when he asked me and i said because duck hunting and goose hunting is the only hunting that i know of that i can get three four eighteen people Mm -hmm. in a blind or a frame six people in a pit three people in a boat and i can hunt ducks but i can also talk with my friends I can make fun of them. I can tell jokes. I can cook in the blind. I can smoke cigarettes. I don't have to be completely still. I don't have <laughs> to worry about my scent. You know, like, yeah. and it is really, like, I, I always talk about the fire and the kitchen table or the or the countertop that I prep food in as this gathering place. Just as much as that's a gathering place, the duck blind is a gathering place. And, you know, like, you don't have to worry about I love turkey hunting. Been turkey hunting a good bit this past year. Got into it two years ago. I like it, but I fucking hate sitting on my ass for (laughs) six hours, being completely still and silent, and not talking to the person next to me.
0: Yeah, using sign language to talk. How
2: how many?
1: How many asshole duck hunters do you really, really know compared to how many asshole bow deer hunters do you know? That guy that that, it's they're a pain in the ass. I mean. Oh my God, you farted yesterday. What are you doing? You know, everything's a pain yeah. in the ass. Martha, him.
0: did you wash my fucking clothes? Did you wash yes. my hunting clothes?
1: It's, it's this, <laughs> it, but you don't deal with that. Duck hunters are a different breed for sure. And it's a, once you get hooked, you're hooked for a lifetime.
2: Yeah. But to your point, like you're hooked because of those moments. Yes. at the camp. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you have a bang out, drop dead, hunt your first duck hunt, because yeah. most likely that's, not going to be the case 75% of the time. And you're going to go on your next one and be like, oh, this wasn't as good as the one in Kansas. And I'm like, really? You're kind of missing the point. Yeah, because yeah. like, what, what really gets you for the long haul is the people you're sharing that blind with the camp with. And to your point, Jeff, the only people that I don't like when I hunt ducks is, is, like, is when a group comes down. Let's say it's eight birds come in lighting decoys and four of them go down. They're dead like – Oh, guys, we should have had all eight of those. <laughs> or, oh, we're not shooting good today. Or somebody needs to not pull up so early. I'm like, man, just fucking relax, dude. Like, have fun. Like, I'm not a great shot. And I'm okay with that. Like, I've been hunting all my life. But if I shoot 50, 50% of the birds I, I hunt, I'm happy with that. I'm cool with that. And, like, these, like, one-uppers that take it a little, a little like, oh, we should have had all six. Or all Look, that's fun. It's fun seeing them rain from the sky when they – when twelve light and you have six hunters and everybody everything falls, of course that's fun. That's good times. But I'm like also like a defensive back. I get burned by a touchdown. <laughs> I tag on the line. I'm stepping up with that wide receiver, and I ain't worrying about the play before because it like it's a new play and like we have a lot more fun if we just are in the moment now and not worrying about the the flock that came in that was perfect and we only shot seventy five percent of them. Like I don't know. So. That's the only duck hunter I'm like, dude, don't, don't come next time. You know, like if it's that big of a deal, but.
0: And social media, especially for the new hunters, like social media is like tainted at all just because they just, you know, they're constantly, their, their news feed <laughs> is just littered with uh with pile pictures and rain outs. And then they think, you know, well, fuck, I only shot two birds today. I must be doing something wrong or I'm not, maybe hunting's not, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And it's just like, no, like, You're fine. Yeah. You're a new, you're, you're a new hunter. Just get out there, figure out what works for you and fuck it. If you only shoot two. Yeah. Have a good time. the
2: ride, man. Enjoy the ride. Hey, look, the same question as, and I hear you, same thing with food, Andy. I I was asked this question, like, what's the biggest advice that you would give to somebody, you know, cooking, um, you know, at home or whatever. And I was like, and I, what I said is like, don't cook for the grams. cook for the people that you're actually going to be around because i promise you no matter what you think it looks like on a photo or tastes like the people that you're cooking for whether it's your wife and your kids or if it's a group of 20 at a crawfish boil like what they're worried about is being here with you and Mm -hmm. focus on them and if if we stop focusing on what it looks like as a photo or how it how the cheese pulls apart uh, from the grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> you know, like we miss the point of why we actually cook and that's to feed people. That's to be around people. And it's why we actually hunt uh, uh, unless' you're, unless you're, you know, a guy going out to literally hunt for food every day. Right. But to your point, like we, we hunt to be around people, to be in the outdoors. and we cook for the same reason. We cook for people. Hardly do we ever cook for ourselves. Like literally, like I'm about to go eat lunch and I'm about to go take deli turkey with Swiss cheese and do a stripe of mayonnaise, a stripe of mustard, roll it up and eat it. Like that's what really I'm going to have for lunch. Yep. And, um, you know, if we focus on not what it's going to look like on the gram, but how the people around us are going to enjoy being with each other and cooking this thing, then we will be in a lot better place. And it's the same for hunting, man. Like enjoy the ride. Enjoy the hunt. Enjoy the people you're with because the rain the the rain outs and the piles of ducks if you're lucky for that to happen you know through five times a season um then you can can count yourself blessed you know what i mean like i've never been on a good timber hunt you know what i mean like i've hunted timber dozens of times i've shot six or seven mouths it's just fun to be out there i don't care about lining a log with 18 greenheads. it'd be fun never had it happen to me (laughs) but uh I can say that about snow. I can say that about speckle belly geese, though. You know, and while some people can't say the same. So, anyways, enjoy the ride. You know, life's too short to like be focused on the photo and on your phone. As I'm talking right to it right now, <laughs> but but I'm I'm more enjoying the conversation with y'all too. You know, it's
0: well. Listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, you go have that uh, turkey rolled up with mayonnaise and mustard on each side. Um, we will, uh, we'll get you back on here mid-August whenever Duck Camp Dinner launches and we'll get a, we'll get a couple episodes and, uh, you'll, you'll release it all at once. Isn't that how you do it? Release all eight at once or or is it a Uh, weekly deal?
2: It'll be week by week. Week by week. So when out of you'll get episode by episode every week or every other week. We haven't decided that So.
0: Perfect. Well, listen, whenever it launches and whenever you want to come back on, we'll have you on at, uh, get a little bit closer to hunting season and, uh, we'll. We'll fire this back up. It's been a pleasure to hey, talk to you as always.
2: Hey, and I won't have a baby on the way this hunting season. Which I he was born January twenty first. Hey, right, uh, and I
0: won't. I, real quick, with I that, won't have a baby. did your parents so believe gonna, you, you? Did your parents believe you when you said that y'all didn't uh, know anything? Because we did that with our second. We did not find out what our second boy was until he came sliding out, and none of our family believes that that we actually were in the dark on that. <laughs>
2: No, I am not one person question me. But um Jeff still doesn't Sounds like
0: him. Jeff still doesn't believe us. Sounds
2: like Sounds like you're historically Andy, you're a little bit of a fibber. So <laughs> why would they believe you? He's full of shit all, all the done. time. That's right. So you're going to you going to come see us this year? I'm definitely coming to see y'all this year. For 100%. 100%. Right. 100%. Now that I live in Texas and like I said, like now my calendar is going to be a little different for this duck season. We have no intention on having another baby this duck season uh so uh we'll make sure to make that happen
1: well we look forward to it and if you need anything you let us know bud and we look forward to talking to you in
2: august hey thank you so much for having me
1: yeah take care and god bless my friend you bye bye he's a cool cat yeah great guy really cool cat
0: oh i don't guess that air conditioner is going to catch up today
1: it's all on that side of the room did you see the forecast for wednesday 114 (laughs) 114 how the hell do you even write that down I just write hot as fuck if I was the National Weather Service. Is just what I'd don't say. even look. Hot today. as fuck, hundred and fourteen um, freaking degrees. I see one hundred and seven on here. Uh, mine says one hundred and fourteen. Just looked at it. just mingo.
0: Maybe you're in Phoenix. No, he, not what City, I mean. Texas. He's such a he's such a hundred
1: and
0: fourteen.
1: Oh, um,
0: <clears throat> that's fucking crazy. They should put another very in front of that. Very very hot. This is
1: yeah very hot. Low is seventies in the seventies, and it's sixty nine degrees, sixty six on um, Friday night. It just it's just How, 114 degrees is the warning, that's, we haven't been 114 since 2011, it's fucking May, we're going to Puerto Rico to cool
0: off, we're going to take fucking ski jackets. That's what Sarecki was like, he's like, why are you, you live in a hot climate, why are you going to another hot climate? I was like, well, at least I got a beach.
1: I got a beach, it's cool, it's a cooler. Um, Like, Padre Island was not uncomfortable, it was 83 for a high and 79 for a low every day. Right. Every day it was the same. And it's going to be that way in Puerto Rico. It does rain in the evenings a lot, I hope. And I I will welcome that. I am going to tell you right now, if this turns out to be as hot as summer as fuck, when we go to Seattle at the end of July, I cannot wait on that beach area where we're staying at. They say you need hoodies every evening. Uh, Every afternoon. I can't wait for that. That's going to be the greatest thing ever.
0: But, yes, back to John Paul. He is a cool son of a bitch. Lives a really fun life. And he's got a great attitude.
1: You could have lived that life. You love to cook. And you're a really good cook. Jeff, you don't give yourself enough credit. I you're a good cook. I don't
0: have the. Uh, I don't have. I, I I worry too much.
1: No shit. You really? mean
0: you mean I couldn't travel like he can? I'd no, be fucking
1: knots. You, you could you could be a chef somewhere. You're a good cook. No, you're a re, you're a really good cook. You are, and he's got a good personality, and you know, social media has made guys like him even more famous because. He can, he you're can a put chef,
0: out, right? He can put out stuff all the time. You know,
1: other than something that was on the cooking network, nobody knew who a chef really was, right? And right. now the good chefs, guys a, like him, people know who it is. Got an audience, and we've had we've had what six, seven different chefs over here of the dinners, and they're all interesting guys. Yeah, they've got a passion for cooking, mm-hmm. and you find a guy that's got a passion for cooking and a passion for hunting. That's really a good deal.
0: Just a passion for anything, because so many people go through life just kind of at 55 60 percent but finding people that have found a passion and made it a career and just listen it ain't chasing your dream is not it ain't all fucking easy days um but just anybody that's got a passion about something and has fulfilled their dreams it's we're, it's fun to talk to people like that
1: <laughs> we're out of the box people mm-hmm. and we talk to people that are out of the box people yeah and i enjoy that your personality does not fit the out of the box person, because you like structure,
0: very structured,
1: and you live an out of the box deal. Even Jesse's job is very out of the box.
0: Uh, well, I don't. I mean, you're not no more out of the box than like a hairdresser or a nail tech or something like that. It's
1: still out of the box. So it's not an eight to five guaranteed no. nothing.
0: But, uh, I, my hats off to people that can do that. I'm not one of them.
1: I was, yesterday I was listening to talk radio and I was thinking about this and it was sports. And I thought, we talked about this back then, but if you were a sports podcast during the pandemic for those two months, that was really tough. I was thinking about the that thought, God, there's so Even much. Even
0: if you were just skipping Shannon or Cowherd, like what the yeah. hell? There's only so much. About? And we only
1: talk about so much stuff from the future. Go you on should, vacation? I mean, there was not much to talk about, but I was thinking about the yesterday because they were talking about the NBA playoffs. Right. Two years ago, we didn't have that shit, which I could give two shits. The NFL draft had happened. Thank God they could talk about could it a little bit, and there was a little bit of NFL free agency. But there's baseball and, going uh, on right now. The, the Kentucky Derby. Did you see the Kentucky Derby guy is in trouble now? The owner of that horse. No. What, did oh, he dope he, him? He, no. He's the woke crowd has got a hold of him. Why? Because he made a tweet two years ago. It oh, said something no. about Kamala Harris made Oliver living on her knees. And now they're asking him about it. What the hell's they got to do with that damn horse? Right. Who gives a shit? That's. If they if he just said something about Trump's wife, then nobody'd care.
0: No, he'd be celebrating. That's
1: that's so. Who cares? It don't have nothing to do with that horse. There's not anybody in the world that wants to breed to that horse and pay them all that money for that. That's thinking. You know what? I'm not giving him money because he made fun of Kamala Harris. Right. Probably, if they're wealthy and they own racehorses, they're probably a conservative anyways. They probably really don't give two shits. Anyways, that was a big topic yesterday. Instead of the actual horse stuff, which uh-huh. I don't know really what you you can consider a horse a great athlete.
0: Uh, they're definitely. It's an animal. I don't
1: know. One of the horses, I think Secretariat or whatever, one athlete of the year, Sports Illustrated athlete of the year. I year. wouldn't call it an athlete. No, I wouldn't year. either. It's an animal. Right. Why don't you get a fucking, the the main line in the pride of lines. My fucker's right. eating fucking something every day and killing something. That's an athlete. I mean, They're athletic a, in what yes. they do. They're a great racehorse.
0: I mean, on, uh, I I mean, Humanize, what do they call that? It's, it's got a word for it. But anyway, like it, it, would, it would never, a human would never outrun a fucking quarter horse. No. In the quarter, in the, however far they run. So like.
1: Not many people I know would. But cheat, I mean cheat like, what are they comparing yards?
0: it to? Because like, obviously if you compare it to a human, a horse is very fucking athletic.
1: Yeah. But athlete of the year one time was. Athlete of
0: the year seems like a little bit of
1: a stretch. It's, it's an animal. It is an animal. And that's yeah. it. It's an animal. Bottom line. There are great cutting horses that are great athletes. Sure. There are great race horses that are great but athletes. I mean,
0: athlete and.
1: It's not an athlete, it's a horse.
0: wonder what the official Webster definition of athlete is.
1: Well, I don't know, but I, I do not consider an animal an athlete to be the athlete of the year. No more than I consider. Now, boy, I'm going to really hit the deal here.
0: So it can't be because this says a person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. And I'm
1: just telling you, the secretary, was athlete of the year. One of your sports Illustrated's athlete of the year. I don't think a bowler is a great athlete. I think he's a great bowler. Yes. I don't think a great golfer, and this is really going to get some of my guys, is considered a great athlete. Tiger Woods Tiger is a Woods great would golfer, make- but would he have been an all-state soccer player even in high school? Would, he have but been, would an
0: all-state soccer player be There's a lot of them. They're good PGA, golfers. Yeah, but not Tony Romo. material.
1: Tony Romo is a great golfer, but he can do other things. I just don't think a golfer. Go, uh, golfing is a very mechanical sport. You do the same motions all the time.
0: So this, I don't know if. This says that Secretariat got beat out. By Formula One World Champion Jackie okay. Stewart. There's another. That's not an athlete. That is exactly right. Yeah, you you got a strong right foot.
1: That's right. I don't I don't consider a race car so driver. So apparently
0: in 1973, they come Athlete of the year was between a horse and a race car driver. Race car driver. Well,
1: it must have been a bad year for sports back then.
0: Was Joe Namath not playing back then? Like what the hell do we have here?
1: 73 would have been the Dolphins with Larry Zonka. Oh. Uh
0: Our next guess is up, so we got to right. wrap it up.
1: All right. see you god bless you thank you very much for listening to us uh, i guess that's really all i have to say thank you
0: go check out all of our sponsors before you leave here check out pacific calls boss shot shells dive bomb industries alpha outdoors shin gear waiters dirty duck coffee lucky duck uh, looking glass duck club podcast gundog outdoors Stanfield hunting outfitters bangtail whiskey and ducks unlimited we're excited to have them on